Good morning, church. So if you want to turn with me, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 23 this morning. Some of you probably already have this one memorized, because it's that well known. So go ahead and turn with me to Psalm chapter 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word shows us a love that is beyond comprehension, that draws us to you, that moves us forward. And we pray that that word would change us and move in us today, that your love, Lord, your amazing, incomprehensible, loyal love would transform us. Move in us and open your word to us, O God. And all of God's people together said, Amen. I want you to hear again this psalm. And as we go together this morning, we're going to listen to this psalm several times. So I'm going to ask you to really put your listening ears on. I want you to let the Bible preach to you today above all other things. I want you to hear God's Word moving in you. So as we listen to this, picture your life in this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love, they will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 23, it captures our imagination as as children, as adults, This is a psalm that we use at weddings and funerals alike. Why is that? What is it about these beautiful poetic words that somehow draws us to them time and time again? It's one of the psalms that throughout our culture, even among people who don't know the Bible, they've heard this. They know this psalm. I think the reason is that we all, our deepest, rudest selves, want to be pursued with love. We want to be loved, don't we? We desire love above all else. And not just showing love, but being pursued by someone else's love. There's this raw emotion inside of us that that yearns to be loved. 
And I believe it's because we were created that way. We were created to be loved and to love. But love is hard, right? In a world full of hate and despair. In a world full of violence and pain. In a world full of anguish. In a world where we're depressed and we're, we're trying to find our way forward when, when the anxiety seems to overwhelm. And this is why a psalm like this comes back to us time and time again. But it makes you wonder, right? Like, where can I see this kind of love? Like, like I, I have a really hard time seeing this in our world. I don't know about you, but I sure do. So I was thinking about this this week, and one of the things that hit me is that the place where we see this kind of love perhaps the most is in our mothers and our grandmothers and the people who have loved us beyond all comprehension that when we have gone astray, that they have still loved us with the loyalty that we haven't earned. It's made me think of the woman who raised my mother, who was actually her grandmother. And she was known kind of in the community as Ma Murphy. And Ma Murphy was known because she was the kind of person that if, if you were a homeless person riding the railroad tracks that went right next to their house and shook the building, that even though she was poor, you knew you could get a meal on her porch. That you could get off that train and she would feed you whatever was on the stove that day. That out of her poverty, she still showed love. That while she was poor, she was rich in love. And she loved teenage pregnant girls who couldn't find anywhere else to go and would bring them into her home and would show them God's love. And she would say, it starts with a cup of coffee, but it ends in relationship with God. And I think about this, how her table was a place that was open for love. And that everyone knew that that's a place where you at Ma Murphy's table could find the love in a hard and cold world that she pursued prodigal children who had gone astray and, and found ways that were clearly not God's, but yet she still went after them and still pursued them with love. That she raised children that were not her own, like my mother. And then if it wasn't for that, what love would I know? Would I know love? Because it was that love of Ma Murphy that came through to me through my mother, who pursued me with loyal love. So we live in a world, yes, that is dark and despair and feels like the valley of death that the psalmist describes. But we know deep down that there are people who show love despite all the odds, who have somehow embraced what God is doing in the world and have decided to emulate Him. So let's look at this psalm together. And again, I want you to picture yourself in this. And if you're, if you're struggling to see God's love, think of that person who has showed you love beyond all measure, even though you didn't deserve it. Try to picture that. I want us to, in the process, read Psalm 23 backwards. We're going to read it from verse 6, kind of back to the beginning. As verse 6 is our lens. And the reason why is because it's written in Hebrew poetry originally. And true to its form, Hebrew poetry often summarizes its main message in the last stanza, which is verse 6 in this psalm. In verse 6, it says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. A literal reading of this, of this verse we can get from Lexham English Bible, which says, Surely goodness and loyal love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will stay in the house of Yahweh for the length of days. Surely goodness and loyal love will pursue me all the days of my life. And what is, where is this love coming from that the psalmist is being pursued by? Well, it comes from God, the shepherd, who when we go back to verse 1, we see is leading the psalmist forward. And it's the house of Yahweh. Yahweh is the one who shows the loyal love. It's the house of Yahweh that the psalmist finds himself in. And what, where we get this word loyal love in the translation from Lexham English Bible comes from a Hebrew word. And this Hebrew word doesn't have a direct equivalent in English. So I want us to talk a little bit about what this word means. The word is chesed. And chesed is the word that's translated in a wide variety of ways throughout the Bible because we don't have a direct equivalent. So let's, let's look at some of the ways this word is used in other Psalms. It's, Arguably the main theme of the entire book of Psalms. Hesed, it's, it's a word that shows up in translations such as steadfast love, faithfulness, loyalty, mercy, kindness. This is a wide range, right, of English translations we get. God's hesed is a primary theme of the Psalms. We see it in Psalm 36, verse 5, where it says we focus on God's hesed in His in praise. When we come and we praise God, it's His hesed that we look to. It shows up again in Psalm 118 as a repeated chorus throughout the Psalm. This very long Psalm, this repeated chorus comes up that God's hesed endures forever is repeated. His hesed endures forever. In Psalms of lament, Psalms of pain, the psalmist asks God to deliver him for the sake of God's hesed. That is for the sake of God's own character that the psalmist should be delivered. In Psalm 130, it's God's hesed that's the basis of the psalmist's trust. So I like this translation of loyal love. When you put it in all those contexts, you suddenly realize, okay, if we could translate in all these wide variety of ways, what is it that's really at the root of this? Because there's multiple Hebrew words for love. But this word that we don't have a direct equivalent for is about something more than the way we think of love. It's about loyalty at its core, that God's character is what it defines. That it's because of God's loyal character that the psalmist can trust. So what's pursuing the psalmist, God's goodness and his loyal love, his hesed is coming after the psalmist. It's following him like Jesus talks about the prodigal son being brought in in love despite all the mistakes He's made like Jesus talks about the, the woman who finds the, the the one lost coin and rejoices with her friends. It's it's like the fact that leaven raises the bread. It's this thing that's at the core that you can't even really quite define. That is just so dramatic and so real that the only thing you can really do is say, "Well, I feel it," right? And that's how we know love, right? It's this feeling that somehow captures us and pulls us in. And we can see it on a person's face. And we can see it in their actions. And we can see it at their table. 
God's hesed pursues the psalmist all the days of his life. And if we look back at verse 1, we see how this opens. And in verse 1 it says, The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And then it goes on in verse 2, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His namesake. Right Again, it's God's character that defines this. His namesake. Yahweh's name. God's very essence is loyal love shown to us. And this is why John in 1 John says that God is love. Because to know God is to know love. To know love is to learn of who God is. So there's kind of this joint thing happening, right? That I'm following the shepherd, the psalmist says. Yet at the end, he defines why and how it's all happening. It's because of God's love that's pursuing him. And isn't this kind of how faith is, right? Like, we often think that we're the actor, that we're the ones following after the shepherd, but meanwhile, we suddenly discover that he's already found the path and that he's the one who's made sure we get to the right grass and he's the one leading us beside the still waters that we can drink from. That it's not really us at all, but it's the shepherd. It's him pursuing us. Jesus says, I came to seek and save the lost. Because He's looking for us to find His love. God is at work in the world looking for people to show His love to. David, the psalm is described as a psalm of David in the beginning. David was a shepherd. He knows this analogy. And David, in in the book of 1 Samuel, he describes shepherding as facing the lion and the bear. This is no weak task to be a shepherd in the ancient Near East. It is a task of fighting on behalf of the sheep. I have faced the lion and the bear, he says. So surely God can deliver me from this Philistine who he means Goliath. He knows he can face Goliath because God has taught him to be a shepherd. And in being a shepherd, he has learned what it means to act as one of God's people. He's learned what that looks like. So he goes to this palpable metaphor that's so real for him. And he writes these words that comfort us even to this day. Across time and history, they have arrived. And in verse 1, he says that he's going to lack nothing. But I, you know, I don't know about you, but I wonder like, wait, how does that work, right? What does this lacking nothing mean? And if you look at the whole context of the psalm, you realize this doesn't mean that we have every single last thing we desire, but instead that God is going to make a way in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the difficulty. So if you look with me, uh, to verse 5, It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And David, right, this is a man who knows what it means to be in the presence of enemies. He he had to fight his way in life. But today we also have this table that in the middle of this harsh 
difficult world, God has made a table for us. Jesus says, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 26, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Take, drink, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus is sitting there when He says these words, dining with the enemy, Judas, who will betray Him. So we have a table that God has set up in the middle of all of our pain, in the middle of all of our difficulty. We have a very real, tangible thing where God shows us that in the middle of a painful world that feels often like the valley of death, He has set up a table because He is reclaiming His world. That it's not in fleeing from the valley of death that God does His work, but it's in meeting us right in the middle of what we're going through and setting up a table and saying, I have made a way for you to have a relationship with Me. Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection shown to us in the Lord's table. When we break the bread and when we take the cup, we see that God has made a way for us, a table in the midst of our enemies. We see God's very love tangibly shown to us that His loyalty to us is there despite our mistakes. It's unreasonable levels of loyalty. Because we don't deserve to be at that table. But He has called us and given us the bread of life, Jesus Himself, and the blood of the new covenant, nonetheless. And I don't know about you, but this makes me want to pray this psalm. So listen to it again as we kind of contemplate it. This is from the message version of the psalm. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. And God, if he could, I just want to ask God, like move in me, Lord, to let me trust the shepherd like the psalmist does, to let me be pursued by his love and to give back into that love, to live it fully. If only we could do that. That would make Death Valley look very different, wouldn't it? Because we're searching for the bravery to face the death in front of us. Aren't we? We're in the grief, we're in the sorrow, we're in the struggle. Like, what is your Death Valley today? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it fear of the unknown, of what's next in your career or life or family? Are you wondering how you're going to get through to the other side? 
Because I want you to take a moment now with me and invite Jesus, the good shepherd, into that. Because Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So I want you to picture that now in your mind. Picture that thing. What is that that's your death valley today? And I want you to invite Jesus into it. Oh God, move in our anxiety. Move in our depression. Move in our trials. Lord, we need you because we are sheep who have gone astray. We are sheep who struggle to find our own way. We don't know where you're leading, Lord, but, but we want to follow you. And so, Lord, move in this valley of death. Give us life, oh God. Change us, oh Father, oh Son, oh Spirit, oh triune God. Friends, Jesus is there right now. He's there leading you like a good shepherd. You may not know it yet. You may struggle to recognize that. I know I do. I think of my current valley of death and I think, man, like some days, like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But I have seen a shepherd who makes a table in the midst of my enemies. And I have had that feast before. And I want more of that life. I need more of that life. And I want you to have that life. That loyal love of God that's pursuing you even now. I also want you to, I want you to see this as an opportunity to find God's comfort and to then show that to other people. And I think again of the mothers who have shown us the sacrificial love of God. The Ma Murphys of the world who make a table in the midst of a difficult world. A painful world. And who draw together the homeless and the poor and the impoverished and the struggling teenage girls and the those without parents and say, God's love is here He loves you like I do, who invite us to the table. Because guess what, friends? You may not remember the name of the preacher, but we all know you always remember that mother in your life. You will always remember her name, the woman who showed you that kind of love. You will always remember the mothers of our faith. Because their names stand the test of time. So I want you to be like them. I want you to invite people to Jesus' table in the midst of a world full of pain and anxiety. I want you to show that kind of hospitality. I want you to set up a table in the midst of the enemies like Jesus does. And to say, this is a place where you're welcome here in this faith community. Because we believe in a good shepherd. We can show the love of the Good Shepherd by inviting people into God's community to Jesus' table. So as we close, I want you to consider again God's loyal love that pursues us as we hear this psalm from another translation, from the New Living Translation. Listen to this and hear God's word to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. 
He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.